When bad things happen to you, do you bottle up your feelings? Real life starts now. Welcome to Real Life with Evangelist Ann and Kathleen Lay, where people with real problems find answers in a real God. Welcome to Real Life. I'm your host, Kathleen Light, and joining me is my husband, Evangelist Don Light. Later in the show, you'll hear from Sakura Baez, who was molested as a young girl, bottled it up, and didn't tell anyone. You know, I think with our fast-paced life and the things that we are doing, we just keep going, going, going. And that was Mm. the case for me in my life. But there are different reasons why people will bottle things up. Sometimes they feel very guilty for what was done to them as if it was their fault. And if I tell anybody, they could get in trouble or it'll Mm. make matters worse. Sometimes you could feel like when something's done to you, like, oh, I'm just damaged goods. You know, if anyone knows this, they're not going to accept me. Or there are those who may just not want to share because it's really embarrassing and very hard. What would I say to somebody? So people can really stuff their emotions, stuff their feelings and bottle it up and just leave it. Kind of pretend it never happened. Right. You know, I think that's actually more popular of a response than we really know out there because there's so many things that happen and especially amongst young people that they don't really know how to express themselves. You know, when something bad happens to them, they don't really know what to say. And so they kind of just, you know, water under the bridge kind of thing, you know, don't really think about it and it'll just go away, right? Mm -hmm. But we know for sure those feelings don't go away. Mm -hmm. The tragedy or the thing that happened when you bottle it up begins to almost simmer on Mm -hmm. the inside. Mm -hmm. And there is always going to be some way that is going to seep out of us. Mm -hmm. It's going to begin to seep out in one way or the other. Mm -hmm. It could be anger. It could be depression. It could be just fears, fears, you know, illogical fears. All these things can happen as a consequence for bottling up your feelings. Yeah. And I think that we may not realize that until we have an opportunity to actually share what has happened with someone where we find someone we can trust and say, you know what, this is what's gone on. Mm -hmm. And there needs to be a time for healing that takes place because otherwise, like you said, it will seep out anger, frustration, or the thing that which was done to you can be repeated Mm. or vengeance could happen. And we need to, as people, release those things to God and ask Him for help. Yeah, well, you know, talking to someone that you trust It takes a while to find that person, right? Right. And, you know, for me, when I found the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior, I began to just open up to Him about Mm -hmm. the things that I've been bottling up in my life from the things that have happened to me. And what happened was I just began to cry so much. You know, there's this Bible verse that says in John chapter 7, verses 38, it says, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And I know that verse means that there's this powerful flow of the Holy Spirit that comes from one's life when they believe in Jesus. Yeah. But what happened to me is as Jesus began to pour his love into me, healing began to go from the inside out. Mm. And I literally started crying like yeah. all the time. Yeah. When I'd start thinking about the past, movies or a certain situation would remind me of the pains of the past. And I suddenly had a way to express it. And through that crying it out, I got a Mm -hmm. lot of healing and began to really discover freedom 
in Jesus Christ. And what's amazing is that you can trust Jesus when you call out to him and you pray and you say, Lord, help me. And many times he'll give us a new thought, a new perspective. He'll help us to forgive those who have hurt us and to be set free. And then we can help others to get that freedom as well. So if you're struggling from what's been done to you, call out to God. He understands and he can help you and he will hold you tight. Let's hear from Sakira Baez after the break. Real life is made possible by people like you. We'd like to take this opportunity to sincerely thank you for your generous support. We couldn't do it without you. May God bless. Welcome back to Real Life. I'm your host, Kathleen Light, and joining me is my husband, Evangelist Online. Hello, everyone. Joining us is Sakira Baez, and she actually tried to commit suicide twice. She was on the crazy cycle of life. She became a drug addict, drug dealer, and ended mm. up becoming a hustler. And we're going to find out more about that. Let's welcome to the show, Sakira. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. Now, I understand that life didn't start out that way for you. In fact, you were in a Christian home and life was going well until at three years old, you started getting molested. And then again, at six and seven years old, can you tell me a little bit about that and how that affected you? When I was three, my mother was married to a very abusive man, and he started molesting me when I would sleep and just tell me that I was having a bad dream. And then, like, I never told my mom because he told me that he would tell my mom that I was a bad girl Mm. and that I was a bad kid. Mm. Then when I was around the age of six, I lived with my father. My parents got divorced when I was about two. And I lived with my father and was raised by my father and my stepmom. We went to church at someone's house, and the pastor's son, who is 17, we would play the hide-and-seek game, and then he would molest me when he would find me. Mm. And again, he was like, if you tell anybody, I will tell them that you're a bad kid. You know, as a child, that's the last thing that you want Mm -hmm. your parents to think of you is that you're a bad child or as you're processing it and processing what's happening to you, you think that maybe you did something to cause that to happen. So maybe you really are a bad kid. Right. And so those lies end up dictating your thought processes right. of this is something that I deserve, especially since it started so young. I mean, at the age of three, right. you don't have any understanding of what's going on or what you're feeling or right. anything like that. And I understand holding it in and bottling it up, you were struggling with pain And in your teenage years, you started cutting. And I know there's a lot of people who are cutting now. And some people are like, why do they do that? That's just weird. Do they just want attention? Tell me why you started cutting yourself. So the reason I started cutting myself is because I didn't tell anybody. Because there again, I didn't want anyone to think negatively of me. So I just bottled all that stuff up inside and kept it a secret. And the pain was so real on the inside that I didn't know how to get it out, how to make it something so that it wasn't just in my head, so to speak. So by cutting on myself, it was like a realization that the pain wasn't just emotional. It wasn't just spiritual. It wasn't just mental. It became physical at that Mm. point. And you tried to commit suicide You took a bottle of pills and left a suicide note to your mom. And that's when she found out you had been molested. Tell me what happened when you woke up from that suicide attempt and what you heard from God. It was actually my stepmom who found the suicide note because I was with her and we had been in an argument 
So I took the pills. I took my grandmother's medication, her heart medication, things like that. And then I wrote this suicide note that helped detail some of the pain and the molestation and things like that that I had kept bottled up inside Mm. of not feeling worthy, of not feeling good enough. And so as I was laying in the hospital bed, I just felt like God was telling me, you can live this life in pain and continue down this ugly cycle of suicide and hurt. But I have a purpose and a destiny for you, and I will not allow you to die until the time that I have decided that you will die. And so you can either survive and kill yourself from the inside, or you can survive and live for my glory. Wow. Hmm. And so from there, your life started to change. In fact, you started going to church, and at 17 years old, you were a leader of a youth group. And there was a lot of great things happening, but there was still a little bit of pride in your heart. And that continued through Bible school. You went to Bible school and you found this strength and this authority you started to walk in, but you were out of authority. You weren't really walking in authority and you didn't really know what that meant at the time that you were supposed to submit to authority. And when that all happened, some of the teachers and people were getting upset because you weren't quite listening to their orders. Can you tell me what was going on? At that point in time, there was a young lady that had been sent to the school by the Satanic Church to cause disruption. The school wanted to handle it, and they felt like I was usurping their authority by continuing to bring this to their attention. And so I was actually asked to leave the school initially and then invited back. But I was so wounded and prideful that I took it upon myself because it was like God wouldn't put this in front of me if he didn't expect me to deal with it. And what I didn't understand at that time was that sometimes God shows you things not for you to do something about, but for you to pray people into position. Right. And so there you left and then your life went downhill. You were so upset with people and with the church and with the school that you went to that you started to rebel. And we're going to talk more about that rebellion and what happened to you and how you went downhill from there. But God was merciful And in the midst of where you could have been killed several different times, and after you had done drugs, God still gave you a second chance. And I believe there are people listening right now who need a second chance. They've turned from God. They've been mad at the church, or they've been mad about a situation that happened. They didn't feel like things were right. So they said, you know what? I'm just going to do it my way. And they've totally left their first love, which is God. But the Lord is saying, come back to me. I want to give you another chance. And we're going to pray for them and we'll have you back on our next show. Thank you so much, Sakira. Thank you. You know, I think this is interesting where she came to a crossroads in mm-hmm. her life. And the crossroads was that you can live in pain in this life through all the suffering that you've been through. But then you can also realize that I have a plan for your life. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that God was speaking that to her. And for those who are listening and saying, gosh, you know, I'm at a crossroads. Does God have a plan for my life? It just seems like bad thing after bad thing after bad thing keeps happening to me. And we can think it would be easier just to end it. Mm. But the truth is, God does have a plan for your life. And he will not give you more than you can handle. You can do it. All you got to say is, Jesus. I cry out to you and I'm asking you, reveal the plan you have for me in my life. I ask for you to come into my life, Jesus. Mm -hmm. I receive you. I believe in you. And I want to know 
what the plan of God is for my life so I mm-hmm. can know, so I can endure all things. Yes. In Jesus' name. Amen. And if you need prayer, we want to hear from you. Give us a call. Our number is 877-480-4477. Again, 877-480-4477. Thank you all for tuning in. You're listening to Real Life. 